0: Hey everyone, it's Jules. Welcome to this episode of All Things Iceland, which is all about essentials for you to pack when you're visiting Iceland during the summer. And this episode, at least in my opinion, is so important for people because your idea of summer is probably very different than the summer that is experienced in Iceland. And I mean that regarding the weather and other expectations. And of course, we'll get into that. And I know that many of you are planning trips, whether it's this year or in the coming years, to come to this country. And so what I've done is, at least for this episode, is that I'll be sharing 11 summer essentials for you to pack, but I have a lot more of them than that. And so I've put together the ultimate packing checklist for Iceland. It's totally free. And there's a link in the show notes of this episode, which is allthingsiceland.com forward slash summer dash Iceland dash packing. And this free packing checklist has essentials and non-essentials that you can use for summer in Iceland, but also it includes a separate list for winter. So regardless if you're coming in summer or winter, you'll have the opportunity to be fully prepared. And for those who always ask me like, what about fall or spring? Well, for spring, you can think more about long lines of winter, and then for fall, it's more along the lines of summer. So I would just utilize those lists for those particular seasons, and that's because the seasons go by very fast, and spring, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes, but spring in Iceland is more about longer, brighter days rather than things blossoming and things of that nature. So it, in essence, is a very different type of spring that you might be familiar with and can be quite cold, more winter-like. Okay. And the way that I have structured this episode is that I will share about the weather just to give you an understanding of what I mean by summer here is probably very different than what you're used to. And then I also go into, of course, the essentials, the 11 that I'm sharing in this episode, which are of course, part of that larger essentials list in the ultimate packing checklist that you can grab. And of course, the other segments like the iconic phrase of the episode or word of the episode, as well as a random fact of the episode. Before I jump in, I would like to give a shout out to one of the reviewers of the podcast. And so I don't know if this person's name is Mia J. Mu. I mean, that's just the username who left the review or Miajmu. who knows. <laughs> but this person said, and I quote, listened to this podcast throughout my entire trip to Iceland. So helpful. I wouldn't have gone to the Blue Lagoon if I hadn't listened to this and I loved it, end quote. So thank you very much, Mia J. Mew or Miajmu, <laughs> however you pronounce that. I greatly appreciate it when people who enjoy the show or found it helpful leave reviews because first of all, it lets me know that you find this content to be helpful and useful to you, but also it lets others know what the. can expect to experience when they listen if you have a minute or so to leave a review i thank you in advance for that also you might find that you get a shout out on the show if you leave one all right summer weather in iceland this is what you can expect the summer season is amazing here just purely for the fact that the days are so long We, in essence, have 24-hour bright days, meaning that we do not have a technical night. So the sky does not get dark enough for it to be considered nighttime. And yes, while we do have warmer weather than wintertime, it is still quite chillier than maybe a typical summer if you're from the Northeast or even like different parts of the U.S. where it can get blazing hot. And when you experience... The 24 hour brightness here is in June, July, and part of August. But of course, like there are times in the year, such as in like from April to early September, in essence, where the days are long and bright. And of course, you know, in April as well as September, late August, May, we do have actual nighttime. But like I mentioned, when you get to the peak of summer, which is late June, July, and part of August, 24 hour brightness. So there are of course some essentials there to help you that I will be talking about to deal with that so you can be able to sleep. The average temperature in South Iceland during the summer ranges from 10 degrees Celsius to 13 degrees Celsius. For those who use Fahrenheit, that is 50 five zero degrees Fahrenheit to 55 five five Fahrenheit. For many people, this is quite chilly <laughs> and If there is sun and no clouds and, you know, relatively not so windy, that 55 degrees can feel a lot warmer than what you might experience in your home country. However, this is Iceland we're talking about. So more than likely there will be wind, probably some rain throughout the day, and a decent amount of clouds. So knowing what to wear in order to be comfortable, dry, and just be able to enjoy yourself is so important here because the weather does change. It varies literally throughout the day. And of course, during your week, you might find there's some days that are more rainier or windier than others. Or you can find that it's pretty consistent like that. We've had times where we call it like the summer that never came. <laughs> and that was in 2018. Really intense. I never knew that it was possible for summer not to come But yeah, living in Iceland, these are things that you learn and that's just how it is. So being prepared for it mentally and of course, physically having the right clothing allows you to be able to enjoy yourself as much as possible. Regarding high temperatures, it can go up past 20 degrees Celsius and I've experienced it at 25 before, which is 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, not the blazing hot temperatures that you would expect but that does feel actually quite warm here. And if it gets to even 55 Fahrenheit, you will find Isenders, people who are used to living here, not necessarily me, but, you know, others who are wearing shorts and t-shirts and sandals. And if it gets above 20 degrees Celsius, which is like in the 60s, 70s, then people act like it's Venice Beach, right? <laughs> so this is so hilarious to me, but that's That's just how it is when I guess you have a temperature where you're so used to it being a lot lower. But don't expect that it will happen. It will get above 20 degrees Celsius or, you know, in the 60s or 70s. I think it's better to have your expectations at, you know, having certain types of clothing layers. And then if it is warmer, you at least can take things off and you'll be prepared for that. And and also delighted. Otherwise, if you have an expectation that's going to be warmer than it is, then it would be a little bit difficult. And even though for some people, the 24-hour brightness can seem a little bit challenging, I think it's amazing. It's my favorite time of the year, maybe because I feel like I just want to go out and do everything. The, of course, problem is for many people when it comes to sleeping, and that is something I mentioned I'll get into. But overall, when you come to Iceland during summer, what you'll also notice is that there's so much blossoming here. It's so vibrantly green, the moss, the landscape, so crisp. You know, the air is crisp and clean all the time, but it's just beautiful to see, you know, the glaciers so much more clear and just the landscape and how it's transformed from a winter wonderland to now this like vibrant green beautiful landscape in certain areas. Of course, there's like desert, black sand desert and you know, red dirt and things like that in many different places, but the fact that it varies, and you can get into the highlands, that's another part of it that is really important to understand, is that you have access now when it does open. In fact, they just open the road to Lanmalegar because there can still be snow, and there will, if you go to the highlands, more likely still be snow in places there. And that's a super volatile place in comparison to the rest of the country, even though Iceland in general is considered to be volatile when it comes to weather. But of course, there's even more extremes when you go to the uninhabited places like the Highlands. All right, now onto the essentials to pack. So I talked about clothing and what's really important to know is that having layers, and I will explain what these layers are. So just the three that I'm talking about are a base, a mid and an outer layer. I do have it written out in the checklist, what these mean, but in essence, the base layer is your moisture control. It's the one that you wear closest to your skin. And in the summertime, a base layer on top is usually what's most necessary. If you're a person who really is cold a lot of the time, then maybe you'll need one on the bottom too. But for the most part, a lot of people are okay with just a top layer. So kind of like, you know, it's like long underwear, but it's not very thick. It could be from polyester, merino wool, nylon, silk, you know, whichever one suits you. And it's really nice for summer to get like the, the thinner ones. In essence, it's just meant to whisk away and keep you dry if you're sweating, which it does happen if you're going to go hiking and, and doing other activities where you get your heart rate up a little bit. The mid layer is for insulation. So I believe top and bottom for this makes sense. And the top is made of a lightweight, maybe a fleece or wool. So I use my Icelandic pesa, which is made from sheep's wool here. And some people like to use like synthetic things like a vest or a down. And then for your bottoms, meaning your hiking pants, just make sure that those are wind and water resistant. Lastly, the outer layer, which is considered the protection layer, it's a windproof jacket and definitely need a hood and one that can cover your head enough. Like sometimes you find hoods where you put it on and it's windy, and it just kind of like flops off. Well, in Iceland, because it does get really windy and wet, you'll find that the wind is pushing the water, the rain horizontally. So having a decent hood that you can like tighten around your face in order to keep you as dry as possible, because the wind will test that for sure. You'll find out very quickly the things that work well and don't work well in Iceland, just because I feel like the weather's always at this point of like, oh, let's just see if we can get the wind under this, you know, <laughs> little flap that you got there. Of course, that's a personification of the wind, but I just find it kind of funny that maybe it it likes to test you a little bit. And then for your bottoms, it's not something you'd wear all the time, but an outlayer of waterproof pants that are really thin. In essence, it's for those who really like to go hiking and things like that, where you can put these on if it's going to be a lot of rain. I have been hiking on trips that were like nine days long in the highlands. And those came in handy. And I've also used them if I was going to go on a day hike or something, just because, like I mentioned, the weather can change so much here. And it's good to just have this in your day pack, Regardless of the year, honestly, swimwear is important to bring. But I feel like especially in summer, because things are so much more accessible, meaning there won't be thick layers of ice that are all over the place where you have to get into a geothermal hot pool. So definitely bring your swimwear. There are facilities where you have, you know, a shower and it's indoors. And then you have like the hot pools that are just outside and maybe there's a hut and maybe there isn't. It, you know, can depend. And what I mean is that, for instance, if you were to go to Reykjavik, so that's in the Kvergerde area, which is like a 40 minute drive from Reykjavik, then you'll find that there they don't have like a little house for you to change in. It's literally just little slats that separate areas and they're kind of just out in the open. But people like it and it's fun to go and bathe in that river. So definitely bring your somewhere essential for enjoying Iceland and, and all this natural hot water that we have. Hiking boots. And I'll have links also to different things, maybe like for Amazon or whatever, uh, that you can look at and of course make your own choices. You might have brands that you already like, and uh, but if you want some suggestions, I'll have links in the show notes of this episode where you can check out some options in order to buy, you know, some boots or whatever else. But I've been using the same boots for a couple of years now. And I'm I'm definitely planning to get another pair uh, or at least another pair of hiking boots, not necessarily this company, but I've, I've liked them. And actually the first time I used them was in Greenland, which is, I don't usually recommend taking a pair of boots that you've never worn before. And going hiking with them on a trip because you might get blisters or whatever. But I was very lucky that I didn't. And so they're Aku is the name of them. They're made in Italy. And at the time, I just needed boots that were high enough on the ankle to have really good ankle support. And those fit the bill perfectly. And like I said, this is like many, many years ago, actually. And so they've just lasted quite well. And, you know, looking now for some alternatives I might buy those again, who knows, but I'm just putting it out there that, that I was pleasantly surprised by them and they're very comfortable. And I plan to use them on my next hiking trip that's coming up in a couple of days. So something to keep in mind, but you definitely want to bring those. I feel like it's essential because even if you're doing sightseeing tours, having some hiking boots with good grip, and they don't have to be necessarily the ones I mentioned. Uh, there are parts of Iceland where they're really popular tourist attractions. So it's, paved or they have you know a nice path or something but then there are other places that are still kind of popular but they don't have really a path for you. It's and meaning like the same way you would get it along the golden circle where it's like you could use a wheelchair there easily or a stroller or something. And if you're gonna go for instance to Snipes Peninsula, which I highly recommend that you do, if you go to Jupilon Center for instance, and walking along the sand there and all the pebbles and things you know, it's it's good to have some type of grip on your boots and and or Reisfeld's Giao, which is like this a little canyon. It's kind of more like a ravine where you can walk into, and it's beautiful. But you have to do a little river crossing. It's very shallow, but still having great boots makes a huge difference. So just keep that in mind. So something really specific to this season is a sleep mask, and that's what I was getting at regarding people who are needing some assistance when it comes to the brightness. Almost every, if not all of them, regarding accommodations, have blackout curtains, but it doesn't mean that every possible light that can come through is blocked. And I know a lot of people say that the sleep mask helps them a lot because it totally blocks out all light. And of course, then the melatonin can kick in and you could be able to fall asleep and get some decent rest. I've gotten to the point where I don't really need it anymore, which surprised even me. But, you know, to each their own, I would not recommend just trying to wing it with that. When I first got here, I needed a sleep mask for the first couple of years. Then at some point, my brain just kind of switched over. I'm not sure. Maybe I just willed it to happen. But that's such a life. A reusable water bottle is absolutely necessary. Absolutely. And I say that because you should never buy bottled water in Iceland. Never now, in the wintertime and you should never buy it in the wintertime, either, but like in the wintertime, you might be less likely to go like get your water from a river here, you can get it from the tap wherever all the water is pristine, it's amazing, comes from natural resources, tastes really good, and it is some of the best water in the world, but in the summer, you might be hiking or in different places and want to get some water, can easily get it from the rivers here, so just know that having a reusable water bottle is essential for keeping hydrated, but also just experiencing that delicious Icelandic water right from the natural source. While it might be that when you come, you don't see the sun as often, I definitely recommend bringing sunscreen. And so the next two actually, sunscreen and sunglasses, I've been on a glacier where it's called Solheimajokull, or the home of the sun glacier, if you were to, were to directly translate it. And people that I were with who were a fairer complexion were getting sunburned and that's because they didn't have any sunscreen, but also the reflection off of the glacier on the ice onto your face. And I felt like my face getting warmer for sure, but I didn't get sunburned. can be really intense, but also just like in general in Iceland, if there is decent weather where there's no clouds and the sun is out, it, it feels intense. So I definitely recommend that. And just a little bit of sunscreen. I don't think you need like a huge bottle unless you're with a lot of people. And of course, sunglasses because the sun can be intense here. I mentioned before putting things in your day pack. So bringing a day pack with you, along with like your other luggage, is great because when you're out, you're of course gonna want things like you know first aid kit within your day pack and holding your sunglasses, your sunscreen, all the things. Your, your water bottle. And I have a day pack that I've been using that I really enjoy. Again, I'll have a link to that if you want to see. And it has like some water resistance. It's not completely waterproof, but you know, if you want to bring a waterproof bag, you can definitely do that. Along the lines of the sunscreen, lip balm with SPF. So it gets very dry here and you'll find that of course, you know, your lips also need protection from the sun, but that moisture of the lip balm will then also keep your lips moisturized and keep them from cracking. I've experienced before when I was out traveling, having a good time, not really thinking about it, and I was like licking my lips and they got really dry and then the wind caused them to get even more dry, which made them crack. And then for days after that, I had to continuously put on this balm that I use in order to make them, to help them to heal. And that was pretty intense. So I just recommend the lip balm. And then with SPF, just gives you that extra bit of protection to not get your lips burned. This one I'm putting as an essential, even though I have it as a non-essential in the list at the moment. And that is a fly net. And I only say that because things have been changing a bit. So there have been these things called loose me, which are sort of like mosquitoes. And I since not used to having those. And during the summertime, they've been coming in and biting people in the nighttime and stuff. But also there this other thing called Midge or Me. And if you go to Lake Miva. For instance, then you will encounter these very annoying tiny little flies that want to fly everywhere, like in every orifice you know available. Very annoying. So these tiny fly nets, meaning like the fly nets with the really really small holes, are super useful. So that's just something to keep in mind. I recommend that. And then some other like non essentials I have are things like walking sticks, and if you want to bring a waterproof bag, you know just terms of rain and things like that you can bring that. I have, like I mentioned, so many other things, including like bringing sneakers. I kind of consider sneakers or comfortable shoes to wear when you're not in your hiking boots an essential because it's good to give your feet a break. I have seen people who are wearing their boots all the time and it could be just a packing issue or they just feel comfortable in them, you know, whichever floats your boat, go for it. But the reason why I mention it is because there are some people like myself who, if you're going to be walking around in a city or a town, wearing sneakers or comfortable shoes that are not your hiking boots is totally doable and you'll be just fine. Meaning like all the streets are paved and and maybe you want to go out for a nice dinner and and wear certain type of shoes that are nice looking, even though they're sneakers or just some other type of shoe than a dress up shoe. So I kind of had that on the essentials list just because I feel like it is something that a lot of people are not sure about when it comes to planning their trip to Iceland. And it's definitely one of those things where if, you know, you just want to give your feet a break, like I mentioned, bring it all. A travel outlet adapter is essential regardless of whenever you come. But I just mentioned it here because I want people to be aware of that Iceland uses a standard European plug So you will definitely need to use that if you're not coming from certain countries in Europe. And a lot of my listeners are coming from the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. So just be aware that you will have to get an adapter. And it's not that hard. Voltage-wise, the standard in Iceland is 230 volts and a frequency of 50 hertz. In the U.S., it's much lower than that. I think it's like 120 volts. So that's just something to... Remember when you're coming here in terms of using certain devices, plugging in your computer and your phone and things like that through the adapter are fine, but some hair dryers are different and things of that nature. So keep that in mind. it's just really important that if you plan to bring certain devices, just check to see what vaults they they you know operate within so that you're not blowing out your device or. If, for instance, you need a hairdryer, maybe where you're staying or where you're going in Iceland has those already, so you don't have to worry about bringing that along. So those are some essentials and non-essentials that you will find very handy to bring to Iceland. And as I mentioned, there's a lot more than that on the Ultimate Packing Checklist. Kind of really takes you through all the things that would be good to remember. One person pointed out something, actually, that's a non-essential, depending on who you are. That I thought was a really good one. And I want to add this to the list soon. And that was laundry pods or some kind of detergent. So if you're going to be staying in Iceland for a couple of weeks and you plan on doing your laundry here, then you have a certain type of laundry detergent that you like, or you don't want to have to buy a laundry detergent while you're here. And I say that because there's not like travel size laundry detergents in the store. It's essentially, you know, for people who were living here. And so it's quite a lot that you would have to get and lug around with you. Then that's something that you could bring. But again, that's a non-essential, but that's just for people to keep in mind who might be, you know, traveling around the country like I did when I stayed here. So when I traveled in the camper van for two weeks, I definitely made sure to strategically go to campy sites that had laundry every few days or so. And I had my own, of course, laundry detergent. That I used while I was there, even though I think they had laundry detergent at the place, but still better shape than Zari. And then also having what you would like to use. So keep that in mind as well. But I highly recommend grabbing that checklist and feel free to let me know if you use it and you found it helpful. I have gotten some great feedback, meaning people who have gone like, yeah, this is great. And I would also add, you know, something else or people who just found like it was like super helpful for them to keep in mind all these different things. And so I always appreciate any feedback in order to improve it, or if it's just in general has been a great piece of information or resource for you. Okay, so the Icelandic word of this episode is ivintiri i I'll say it slower. I-v-i-n-t-i-r-i. Ívintiri. And what it means is adventure. And so that's what I think about when it comes to summer in Iceland. It's just all the adventures that are possible. And I get so excited. And like I said, I've been traveling already quite a bit. And I already have a ton of things that I plan on doing this summer because I get so energized by the brightness and the possibilities and the good weather that sometimes comes. (laughs) But in my mind... You know, that's that phrase about there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. To an extent, I agree with this. But I also think that, you know, there can be things like severe weather warnings and storms. So that is bad weather, in my opinion, you shouldn't go out, right? So just pay attention to that. We'll actually include a link or links to some of the places where you can check out about the weather warnings, like travel.is or road closures on road.is, things like that, where it's super important for you to keep track of and to look at before you head out that you know whether or not roads are closed or there's a weather warning in the area that you had planned to go to. The random fact of the episode, and I've got this actually from a article by Iceland Mag, and it says, I quote, according to the Icelandic Meteorological Office, the highest temperature ever recorded in Iceland was 36 degrees Celsius, which is 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. And that was in the East, uh, specifically East Iceland, so Berrfjordur, on September 24th, 1940. However, that has been in dispute as to whether or not that actually is what happened. (laughs) So, And the highest undisputed measurement, though, takes place in the same area, on the same farm, on June 22nd, 1939, and that was a quite warm 30.5 degrees Celsius, or 86.9 degrees Fahrenheit. So I found that kind of fun and interesting to know that, well, it could get that warm, specifically on that farm. For some reason, that farm... In the east it seems to be a, the one place to attract a lot of warm weather. So I guess they're somewhat lucky. Maybe a lot, a lot of people might think that, <laughs> at least in Iceland, to have been the place where it can somehow get super warm. I, I wonder what that's about. But before I end off the episode, I want to give a shout out to my patrons who are in the Ausgadrder tier on my Patreon. So Jocelyn, Jessica, Mel, Kim, Melton, and Danielle. So in that tier in particular on my Patreon, you get a shout out from me on the podcast, among other awesome perks, like a 30 minute live video group chat with me each month. And so if you would like to support all things Iceland by becoming a Patreon member, and there's other tiers as well that, you know, have different perks to them. You check out the link in my show notes. I hope that you found this episode to be informative and helpful for you as you're planning your trip to Iceland during the summer. But, like I mentioned, the list, the ultimate packing checklist, has summer and winter. So, whenever you are planning, you can for sure utilize that. <laughs>